Welcome to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast, where we share tips, information, and success stories about a revolutionary treatment for alcohol use disorder called the Sinclair Method, or TSM. TSM can help most people reduce rather than abstain from alcohol by addressing the root cause of problem drinking, which is inside the brain. I'm your host, Katie Lane, Sinclair Method success story and co-founder of Thrive Alcohol Recovery, where we help you find freedom from problem drinking using this approach so that you can live your best life. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome everybody, it's Katie with Embody Daily, and today I have um, someone very special with me who, um, it's, his name is Anthony, and he was on my channel about a year ago for an interview, and I've gotten tons of great uh, feedback from people who've watched that interview, and um, so glad to have him back again, because I think he just is a, a wealth of knowledge and wisdom to tell people who, uh, who are on the Sinclair Method, and you know, going through challenges and obstacles with the method and just navigating life after the Sinclair method and after extinction. So Anthony, thank you so much for coming back to speak with me. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. You're right. <laughs> yes. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Not too bad. Not too bad. So, 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 well, so. I was just telling you that I love your background. It's very springy and we're filming this in May. <laughs> time, so it's very happy. <laughs> it is. It is very happy. I'm trying to do this little flat of mine up. So I'm getting there slowly but surely. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we kick it off with you just telling us a bit about yourself and kind of your background with TSM? You know, what brought you to TSM? When did you mm. start it? And how is it a part of your life today? Well, basically, obviously, I think, yeah, I've got this previous video. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I went on TSM about, um, I think it must be over four years ago now, right? Four or five years ago. And um, I, my drinking was really bad, really, really bad. And um, I lost complete control of the alcohol. And like most drinkers, I was completely in denial of my drinking habits. And, you know, I was a, I was, I was mainly an evening drinker, if I'm being honest. I used to drink two bottles of wine a night. I used to come home of an evening and, you know, come back from visiting the parents and stuff. And I would drink a bottle of wine and then I'd cane off the next bottle of wine. And I used to think that was normal, if I'm being honest. And, and that's how it was. And, you know, in conjunction with that back in the day, it was, you know, alcohol. And on the odd occasion, it was recreational drugs such as cannabis and stuff. But I mean, I, that wasn't really my fault. Eh? It was mainly alcohol, if I'm being honest. That was my pooch. It was red wine. And then obviously, as time went on, it, it went on to the harder stuff, you know. It went on to whiskey and stuff like that. I liked whiskey. And then um, it got out of control, really. You know, it sort of got to the point where, you know, it was never enough. You know, um, two bottles weren't enough. It had to be three. And then all of a sudden, it had to be three. And then I would find myself in these situations where I would go, well, it, you know, I'd find myself in these situations where I would sort of have to get to the shop before the shop shut at sort of 1.30 in the morning to get my, before last orders at 1.30 in the morning to get, you know, my last bottle. And then it would be things like, well, what's the biggest bottle in the shop I can get before the shop shuts? whether it was the largest bottle of cider 
and then towards the end it was bottles of whiskey I was buying you know what I mean because I wanted to get so bladdered or drunk bladdered and drunk so I would get drunk I would go I would fall asleep then then it then it became it then it got to the point sort of towards the end where from evening it would sort of I would become I sort of no then it sort of became from evening to afternoon. I would sort of start thinking to myself, right, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon, it's lunchtime, it's acceptable to have a drink because it's lunchtime, isn't it? You know, we all have a drink of lunch, of a lunchtime, so that's normal. So I'd have a drink of a lunchtime as well. And then I'd start thinking, well, I can have a drink, it's lunchtime, and I would have a drink of a lunchtime. And then it would be a bottle of wine. And then I would start having a bottle of wine with my dinner. And then it'd be a bottle of wine before I went to the, I'd say I have a bottle of wine in the bath. And then I'd go to the shop and buy more. And alcohol is very cheap in London. You know, they've made it very affordable in the UK. You know, you, you know, you can buy it. There's all alcohol offers. So you can buy it relatively cheap. So this became quite an expensive habit and it, it put me into it put me in a lot of debt and it put me in a lot of trouble, if I'm being honest with you, financially. Then a few friends of mine died, I think about seven or eight months before I decided that I had a serious problem. And one friend died of cystic fibrosis and another friend of mine died of actually, funnily enough, alcoholism. One was the same age as me, one was a bit younger than me. And then I, um, and then I started to drink in the mornings. I started to wake up in the mornings and I started to shake. I was like, I need a drink. And I'd be like getting up at 8.30 in the morning having a drink. And I was fucking wrong with me. I, something really badly wrong with me. I couldn't cope with just life. Do you know what I mean? But I started off like every other young person. You know, I haven't got a problem with drinking because, you know, I drink, I go to work and, you know, I can go to work, I can function and drink, you know? Because that's what a lot of people, that's what addicts say. A lot of addicts say, or people with alcohol, AUD, as they call it now, alcohol use disorder now, say, I can function, I can go to work, or I only drink on a weekend, but with me, it was full time, you know. But an addiction is an addiction. You know, there's many forms of addiction. It covers many different categories. So anyway, for me, like I said, it was every day. Luckily for me, I was not functioning. So for me... I had no threshold, so for me, it never prolonged. It just went, brrr, and it stopped, it cut off. So anyway, like I said, it, for a couple of friends of mine died, and I started getting up in the mornings and drinking. Then I really got low, and then I went to stay with a relative, and I came back from this relative's home, and I had a breakdown, and I just couldn't cope. Everything just dropped my mind dropped my brain dropped I just literally broke down my mum saw me in a bad way and she was like right pack your bags you're gonna come and stay with me I knew I had a really bad problem so then all of a sudden I thought right okay that's it I've got to stop drinking I've got to do something not I've got to stop drinking I've got something I've got to do something because I can't control my drinking no longer you know I'm 31 now and I can't do it no more I've wasted 10 years of my life if not more probably a lot, lot, lot more drinking alcohol, you know what I mean? The amount of money I've thrown away on alcohol is ridiculous because I thought I calculated things in my brain because at the time you don't realise the amount of money that you throw away. You said and, alcohol was is cheap in London. So like how much were you yeah. spending a month roughly, would you say? Or could you even estimate? 
you know what? I couldn't even estimate you. All I'm saying, Katie, is it was just kind of like, I, I had a debit card. I had an overdraft on the debit card. At one point, I even had a, a little credit card that some of the, the banks were just, at the banks over here, they'll just give anyone credit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, they'll literally, you know, I mean, as long as they know they're going to get their dinner, they'll try and, you know, give you a small little card. You know, you could just blag them. I'm, I'm self-employed. I mean, I wasn't even working. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not working because I'm on mental health. You know, they were just, anyway, you go into a bank and they try and get as many people to get debit cards and credit cards and loans out as possible so they get their money. This is how they do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was spending all my, most of my money was, there's times I wasn't even being able to pay, put money on my bills. I was in debt with them as well, you know? It was ridiculous. I had to go to mum and dad and I had to ask my dad, all right, admittedly, luckily, only once I had to get my dad to get me out of a big debt. Mm. But I mean, once is bad enough. Yeah. But I was juggling from Peter to pay Paul, as they say in London. It's like an old-fashioned saying. I was juggling from one person to pay the other. And it was literally, my life was like that all the time. Like, always paying someone off. Like, borrowing from someone to pay another person off. Borrowing from that person to pay that person off. And I thought that was normal. I thought that was normal life. Yeah. But I was obviously... But obviously you can't live your life like that for because then that causes stress and stress causes depression and then stress depression causes addiction, as we all know. So, and that's what was happening. And then I went to the doctor and they gave, they, they, that I, they told me to, that I had to reduce my intake at that at the beginning. And then they gave me some, then they sort of started off by giving me depressants and they gave me a medication. I think it's called Tampril, if I'm right. So they, they started by giving me that. That didn't really do much for me. I think it helped me reduce a little bit. So I won't say it did nothing, but it didn't do much for me anyway. Yeah. And then um, after being on Campbell for a period of time, then they tried to get you go, to go down, you know, the Alcoholics Anonymous route, which is basically going to groups, which I wouldn't say were completely useless. I think they did help to a degree, you know. But um, I found that it was very, very much like, um, well, this is the only way, you know, you've got to completely focus on this and that's it, you know. So I felt it was very, very cultish, like really going back to school, really. It was kind of something that you had to dedicate your life to. That's how that's how I felt. It was almost like I felt like I was being sucked into this. Mm. And I felt it was very exciting at the beginning because I felt that it was going to lead me down this path of sobriety and sobriety felt exciting and certain things from AA I um I've learned a lot from and I apply it to my everyday life but it didn't change what was going on up here it didn't change what was going on in my brain you know I noticed that I would go two weeks then I would relapse then it would get a bit longer a month then I would relapse. Then it would be two months. Then I would relapse. Then it would be three and a half months, four months. Then I would relapse. And I thought, what the hell is going on with me? And then all of a sudden, one day, it was, I went through the whole of Christmas. And um, come the new year, I just went mental. And it just got worse and worse and worse. I just relapsed. I went crazy. But prior to this, experience of these relapses I watched this video as we've all watched I've seen Claire Method users watched the one with Claudia Christian the TSM the TED talk video yes, on yes. 
how to cure alcoholism. I'd love to do one of these videos. I'm telling you, Katie, I really need to be doing a TED's talk. You know, if there was a way I could get funded to go on a TED's talk and do a, um, a Sinclair Method video, I could tell my story to the cows come home. Trust me, I've got some good, you know, I've got a good idea for this. We should reach out to Claudia about that. Maybe there'd be a possibility. I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't even know how to do it. You know what? It'd be amazing. But anyway, cut a long story short. So anyway, I thought, I can't cope. This is ridiculous. Because everyone was going, what the hell is wrong with you? Why can't you just stop drinking? What is going on? Like, this is crazy, you know? And I thought, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. And I just thought, I just knew it. I thought, I'm going to die. I sat there and said to myself, I am going to die. I woke up one day and nothing was going right. Nothing, nothing was going right. I think, I think my benefit money stopped. My bill, my bills were getting piled up. I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I couldn't even get out of my sofa. Between you and me, I had, I was ill. I was sick. I had diarrhea. I was in a state. I had a really bad relapse, and it, it, it was really bad. Anyway, I went online and I thought, right, that's it. I thought, I've, um, I've got no hope. I thought, I've got to try this. I've got to try these tablets. And I honestly, because Claudia Christian would done them and, I, you know, she's a famous actress, I thought, oh, this is going to only be something that the rich and famous are going to be able to afford. I will never be able to afford to get these medications and I'll never be able to afford to do them. Well, me beat me. Obviously, I've become very melodramatic about the whole matter and I have looked online and I, something in my brain turned around and it kept on coming back to me. Don't tell me no, tell me how. Tell me how. It just something in my brain kept on saying, kept on coming back to me. Don't tell me no, tell me how. Don't tell me no, tell me how. And I managed to find the tablets and I ordered them online and I got them sent to my parents' address of all places. Anyway, well, I had this relapse about three days before I was due to go on holiday, like convalesce basically because of my alcoholism. They arrived at my parents' address and I said to a friend of mine, look, I don't ask them much. I said, but please, you need to do me this one favour. You need to pick up the tablets and take them to my house because I was packing my suitcase. So I don't like to ask, but this is life or death, this needs to be done. Picked up the tablets, took it to mum's house. Anyway, I've explained to my mum the story of what happened. But prior to this, I was showing my mum and my dad this, this video on the Sinclair Method on their internet telly at, in their house. So they, they had an idea of this, this, this treatment. I just kept on showing them videos. I kept on feeding them with this information because I thought, I want to give them an idea because it, it, something inside of me just this kept on coming back into my brain. I just knew some way, somehow, I was going to get get on this treatment. I was going to do it. I don't know how. I don't, you know, listen, this is coming from a boy who's on benefits. You know what I'm saying? Like living in South East London, you know? So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to do this. So anyway, I got the treatment, went to Cyprus, tried out the treatment, and it worked amazingly well. And... But prior to this, I had to work on a lot of things. And this is one thing that I want to talk about because, you know, we kind of go to the point of the pandemic now and we're going to the point of things that have gone on throughout the pandemic. And I just want to kind of put my point across. When you are going on the Sinclair Method, you have to work on yourself, first of all. 
it's all well and good taking a pill and going, I want it to work. You know, I had to work on a lot of things. You know, it wasn't just a case of me taking a pill. I had to put myself through counselling via my doctor. I had to go to a GP and say to my doctor, I need some counselling, I need some therapy. So I had to put myself through some kind of detox prior to this, if I'm being honest. When you say detox, had, you mean detox from alcohol or like? I had to kind of slightly detox myself a little bit from alcohol. Mm. I had to get to that point where I could go without alcohol a little bit. I mean, some people do it with as well, but I had to go through some kind of therapy because you've got to work on your fear, your fears, because I mean, if you don't work on your fears, you can always fall back. You've got to work on your ego because we've all got ego issues and things that we are fit. You know, we've got ego issues with things that we don't want to work on or we're scared of working on. We've all got egos, things that we don't like to admit about ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Things that we've done wrong in the past, people we've hurt, people we've upset. And that can easily fall up, make us fall back into addiction. Yep. That is, that, that's a fact. That will happen. You know what I mean? Um, our social surroundings if you mix with people you you know you know there's an old-fashioned saying you are what you mix with if you mix with fellow people that drink you know they need to be mindful if you're giving up alcohol as well you can't go back old habits no longer serve you so you know if you're going to be mixing with people that are going to treat you the same way that they would have treated you when you was drinking that ain't going to work because you're no longer that person did you, you have give to get up. a new friend group when you changed this? Or what was that yeah. like for you? And those people that I did mix with when I was drinking, I had to re we had to reassess our, our friendships together. Yeah. Even in drinking circles. I mean, even when I used to go, even though like I've been out into pubs and bars since, you know, the 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 communication has changed. Because I'm not that person no more. You know, I mean, I still have a laugh and I still have a joke and all of that, but my personality ain't as fluid as it was when I was drinking. Because, you know, when you drink, you know, you're a lot more fluid, you know, you're a little bit more, ooh, you know, you know, it's like you've had a few to drink and you're a little bit more fluid and a little bit happy-go-lucky and all the rest of it. But when you when you take the alcohol, that substance away from you, you're not that that person you know you're you're still happy and you're still bubbly and you're still social but you know you're you're a little bit more you might be a little bit more sensitive when you're sober you know what I mean and you might be a little bit more honest and a little bit more straight to the point so you have to reassess people sort of like kind of reassess the way they treat you if you know what I mean you can't treat people can't treat you know not people can treat you the way they treated you when you were drinking but it ain't going to be the same do you know what I mean and then also you've got to think to yourself um am I comfortable being in those surroundings with those types of people as well you know that's a that's a big that's a big thing you know being in them people I know now if I'm around a big group of people and they're all drunk and I'm standing there and I'm, I'm sober, even if I have one or two drinks, which I haven't done in a long time. Um, I'm not necessarily comfortable once they've got beyond the limit. You know, I'm not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not on the same wavelength as them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely. Could, 
I'm on a different, I'm on a different vibration. I'm on a different, I'm on a different level, you know. Um, I find that I'm a little bit, I, I find it quite attractive that I'm a little, because people look at me and they fuck at me, cool, I wish I could do what you do. I wish I could leave at one or two. And you find a lot of people say that. You'd be surprised. A lot of people say, I wish I could leave at one or two drinks. How do you do that? How do you just pick up one brandy and Coke and walk out of the bar like that or two? Yeah. I don't That's... tell them on the clear method. You know what I mean? I don't tell them nothing. I'm like, shh, don't say nothing. <laughs> but, you know, people don't, you know, you don't realise how, how, how much this really does change the way people see you if you get what I mean and I think that's a a question I get a lot from people is like oh man I'm all my friends drink do I have to change my friend group and that can be a daunting thought or or just like envisioning your life without those friends and so because I too I had to change my friend group but it was a process where it was like slowly choosing to go to these events or not or hang out with these people or not it wasn't like an overnight thing so what what's that like for you you know what? I have to be honest with you. For me, I noticed that once, <laughs> once you start, once you get sober, and you notice that they're not, <laughs> you look, you look, <laughs> you look at, you look from the from the outside looking in. You don't realize how much drama that they carry with them mm. because they're drinking. And this might sound really silly, but you notice how much more fulfilled your life is because you're sober. And then you look at them in a completely different way because they're drunk. You'll notice that uh, it sounds really bad, but people that tend to drink, they tend to carry a lot more drama with them and they tend to be a lot more unhappier Mm -hmm. or they tend to carry a lot more problems with them. And people, once you're sober, because you're more in control, you tend to not let things linger as much. So you tend to be able to deal with the day better. Mm-hmm. does that make sense perfectly yeah it makes great sense um and I've noticed that the people that are got, even even people that are really attractive if they if they live a lifestyle that are very is that is always around alcohol and drugs you'll notice that drama attracts drama okay drugs and alcohol that's all that attracts so you know what I mean? That's all that attracts. That attract, like attracts like. Yeah. And when you're sober, these people attract you because you're so different to them. They do. They really do. They attract you. They, they want a piece of you because you're their complete opposite. You're their opponent. And they're like, fucking hell, how does this person, how do I get it? How do, they, how do I get it from this person? How do I, how do I, how does this person be this? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because you're 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 in control you're loving you're caring you haven't got all the drama around you you've got this this calmness about you this sense of air that they can't sort of attract they can't seem to get themselves because their life is surrounded by chaos and i've noticed alcohol and drugs and that type of thing it it, it attracts that it attracts chaos nothing but chaos and you might think people might go to you, but how can you say that? But you know, it you've just got to look around you and just stand back. A valuable lesson a friend said to me one that once is sometimes in life the best thing to do is stand back and look at these people around you and look at what they do and look at the pattern. 
And if you notice that the same pattern happens time and time again, then there's your answer. Mm -hmm. And I think you start to notice this more and more once you're sober. And the longer you're on TSM and you, you really are, and like, you, I want to talk more about your, you're talking about like the work you have to do on yourself to really heal from alcohol addiction. Sure. But I think that is true too. Like you're no longer that person you used to be. And so it's like you demand or you, you want things to be different. You don't want to hang out at a dark bar every day anymore. It's just like, ew, that's gross. Why would I want to do that? Whereas before you just saw it differently because you were in that type of environment, in that crowd. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, I think I asked you that question because a lot of people have that fear around, you know, if all your friends drink, that's, you've got to change your friends. But I think it's more of a natural process as you change, you start to desire things differently and those things aren't as appealing anymore. And like you said, you kind of draw the things to you that are more of the things you want to go after. Mm. So and that's, and it's, it's sometimes that's just naturally life cycle. And, you know, I always yeah. think that if someone's meant to be in your life, then then regardless of what you do, whether you don't see them for two years, three years, five years, they, they, they will come, it will come, it will come back round. You know, you'll see them again. Yeah. You know, if someone's meant to be in your life, then at some point, at some way, they'll contact you. It doesn't make no difference. And, you know, it, 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 it's just the way it is. I mean, and you'll find that you're, sometimes you'll find that you've got to lead by example. You know, when people start, people will, they will miss you before you miss them. If they were if they were true friends, they will miss you before you miss them. And actually, whereby you leading the way and taking control of your life, when they start seeing things go good for you in your life, or they start to think, oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so for a long time. I wonder what he's doing. And they look at you and they go, bloody hell, you look really well. You look really healthy. And they start going, bloody hell, your home looks really nice. Or, what are you doing with your life? And they start noticing that you've got loads of new hobbies or loads of new habits or new ideas. And they'll go, I want a taste of that. I want a bit of that. And then they'll start wanting to hang out with you more. You see what I mean? And then they want a taste of that as well. Do you know what I mean? Also another good tip, keep a diary. Someone said this to me a very long time ago, keep a little diary take notes, you know, take notes of what you're doing, you know, try and get some little hobbies as well, like little hobbies, you know, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do, you know, as such, you know, little things, arts and crafts, drawing, baking, cooking, gardening, uh, writing, anything, you know, going for walks, um, get a little notepad, um, write a list of things that you want to do, want to achieve anything like that you know jot it down yeah. right and I know it sounds silly but there's something about pen and paper that's very very something something about pen and paper because it's visual and because you've written it down you tend to take more note of it than just jotting it down in your ipad or on your iphone because it's visual and you see it on pen and paper and you write it down on that you know and then you go, well, how do I get there? And then you've got the use of an iPad or an iPhone now so you can research how to do these things. And, you know, it could be something really silly, like, I don't know, such and such a day, I, I want to do, I want to draw, a, I want to do something on a canvas. So go and buy yourself a little cheap stationery set on eBay, you know, or, or whatever, you know, bake a cake. I don't know. Just come up with little ideas and, 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 and build on that. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 that takes your that takes your mind to a new dimension. That takes your mind on that that puts your mind to a different shift. If you know what I mean, that moves your mind to a different level as well. Um, the thing with mental health. I mean, the pandemic's been awful and don't get me wrong, I think it's affected a lot of people and I think it has affected people with their addiction as well and a lot of stuff. And I think the thing with um, that is, I think, you know, you know, if you can, you know, there's a lot of these online counselling groups as well. You know, go and reach out, try and get some help, try and go and, go and get some counselling, try and book an appointment with your doctor if you can. Go and speak to someone. Do you know what I mean? Speaking to friends are good, but try and go and get a little bit of professional help. If you can get some charity, you know, there's some charitable counselling organisations where they help when you can come and speak to someone, reach out, ask for a bit of help. You know, you're not weak for doing that. Sometimes yeah. we have to do that, you know, because, you know, like for me now, I haven't got my... Um, I haven't got alcohol no more as my crutch. So I need to find other ways of um, getting that support. If yeah. you know what I mean. So for me now it is, I'm having to go and reach out to counselors and therapists and different services um, to get that support that I need. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, on the surface, we all look happy and we all look like, you know, we're putting on a brave face and we look like, you know, the, you know we're dealing with life great, but underneath it, we could be crumbling. Mm -hmm. and that's natural that's life you know so you know just because someone looks like they're having a good day doesn't mean they're actually having a good day so true yeah I think you it's know? important too that you said you're not weak for doing that because I think I know I felt that way I was like oh I can figure it out on my own like I don't need to ask for help but it does require this certain level of vulnerability to reach out for help and it's amazing how how much it can help and just like you were saying you know, just because on social media, if someone looks happy, it doesn't mean that they are. And it reminded me of, you know, I get people messaging me on Instagram a lot saying, oh, can you help me with an Altrexone or, you know, help me find a doctor. And sometimes I'll go to their Instagram page and they will have like thousands of followers and be gorgeous or very handsome and totally look like they have their life together. Yet here they are needing help with alcohol addiction. And so I think it is important for people to realize that there's a lot of people suffering silently with alcohol use disorder. And I know it feels really lonely, but more, you're not alone. There's so many people out there that are, you know, perfectly normal, successful, amazing, lovable people. And this has impacted them. So just wanted to say that. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And you know, you are, and people ain't alone, you know, and that's the thing. I think, I think as soon as people know that as well, you know, and it is, it's, it's difficult times for everyone now as well. Um, and I think, you know, especially, in, I mean, I've noticed a lot in the UK, people have gone a bit crazy because we've had this kind of like first lockdown lift where, you know, people are, youngsters are going out, they're drinking, they're taking drugs and, and stuff like that. And, um, you notice people are going a bit crazy with the drink and the drugs and it's just, it's scary. It's, yeah. I, it does, it scares me a little bit to see what's happening to the world. But, um, I just wish there was more exposure on this, to be honest with you. And I wish this, but there was more publicity on this topic, to be honest with you. I wish it was out there on the TV and on the media. Mm -hmm. And I wish that we could get this kind of exposed more on the television, because I think that that would really help um, people and probably on the local newspapers as well. 
because I think that we need to get this out for young people to see what's going on. Um, there's a lot of young people who've got everyday jobs that are out drinking, partying, after work, during work, whatever, that don't realise they've got a problem or know they've got a problem, but are so far in denial with their problem that, you know, it's just like they they just carry on. Yeah. Just carry on and they just think that, you know, I'll be all right tomorrow. Because I was one of them, you know, I thought I'd be all right. I thought tomorrow I'd be better again. Yeah. You know? But like I said, if I didn't find this option, I really don't know where I would be today, to be honest with you. Because everyone's, everyone says, oh, you would have been all right. Nah, I don't think I would have been, to be honest. I really don't. I think something bad would have happened. But like I said, thank God. I think um, I, was, I was looked over. I was, God looked, definitely God was looking, someone was looking over me. Yeah. Definitely at that time. And here you are telling your story, which is just here amazing. I am telling my story. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, because I know you were telling me that, you know, you've been going through a lot of just hard times and emotional mm. turmoil this past year or more. So mm. how have you coped with that, you know, now that you're not using alcohol as a crutch anymore? What has that experience been like for you? Oh, it's been horrible. It's been hard. It's been very hard, Katie. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's been really difficult. Like, um, what have I been doing? Well, like, first thing, um, I've, I've luckily I've managed to speak to my doctor, and um, they've arranged. We've arranged to. I'm waiting on an appointment now to go for some counselling at the moment. I'm on some anxiety. I'm on some anxiety medication. Um, I'm waiting to speak to a migraine specialist as well at the moment because um, I was having migraines for three months, but luckily, touch wood, they've calmed down. Um, I'm also on different vitamins, which has actually helped my immunity, which is actually helping my immune system as well, which is quite good. Mm -hmm. um, it's been very tough because, like I said, this I moved into my property July 2019. And I think for me, life got a little bit depressing. I think it was September 2019. Um, and it just basically um, relationship problems, friendship problems. And basically it was a situation where it was closure without closure if I'm being honest with you. And um, I'm quite a spiritual person and I'm one of these people that I pick up on energy. So this person could appear in my life at any one point and I hope that they do. I really do hope that they do because they're not a bad person, but they've got their own addiction problems and they've got their own issues. And I've come to the analogy that I can't help them. They've got to sort that out themselves. They've got to sort out their own issues. And um, I just pray every day that that person's all right and that they're, they're doing all right in their life. And, you know, it was just a bit of a sad situation because I met them when I was kind of reblooming, if you like. After you've been on TSM of, and had success and that. Yeah, it was almost like I was coming out of my bad patch and it was like a very unusual time because... It was almost like I was coming out of my bad patch and 
it was like they was, I suppose it was almost like watching a rose, a watching a dead rose turn into a beautiful flower for them. If I'm being honest with you, I'm not saying I'm a beautiful flower, but you know, I'm saying like for them, that's, that's the only way I can explain it. For them, it was like watching a dead rose turn into a beautiful flower and that turned into a very deep love. And then they got cold feet. And then that's what happened. But they kept on coming and going, coming and going, coming and going because they got scared. And there was a bit of an age difference. But, and then obviously when they went, about four months, four or five months later, we went into a pandemic. But it was an, a close, it wasn't an ending because of another person. It was an ending without an ending. I can't mm. really explain that to you, to be honest with you, too tough. Mm. I don't understand it. And um, whenever I normally pick up on their energy, they normally come back, if that makes sense. But I've been picking up on their energy for such a long time. And I suppose maybe because of the pandemic, maybe that's why I haven't heard from them. Maybe I'm picking up on their energy because maybe I'm spiritually connected with them. I don't know. Maybe I'm going mad. I don't know. Um, I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually in my head. But um, yeah. Um, I've just been trying to keep myself busy, if I'm being honest. So what does that look like for you? Because I know we've talked about how, you know, you needed to just find new hobbies because you were drinking every day and kind of rebuild your life. So how how has that been for you and what are you doing now? Oh, what am I doing now? Um, well, I've done a qualification. So that's good. What does that mean? A qualification in hairdresser. Well, you know I'm a hairdresser. Oh, I think I okay. I didn't realize that, no. Yeah, uh, I've done an advanced qualification in, in my profession. So I'm a technician now, a colour technician. Awesome. So um, I'm one step away from teaching. So if I want to go into teaching, that's something that I can look down, the avenue of doing. So I've been going down. So I might go down the creative avenue and I might do a level four. Okay. Which is basically going down sort of like film sets, that type of thing. So I'm thinking of doing a level four, then maybe doing uh, H&D which is a high national diploma in hairdressing. Yeah. So film sets that type. It's going down the creative avenue. Um, I've got into natural remedies. So I've been going down that, I've been exploring that. Basically trying to get this place decorated as well, really. So I've got my garden paved, um, pavement in the garden. So obviously that cost me a bit of money. So I had to save for that. Um, but obviously through the pandemic, obviously everywhere has been shut and a lot of colleges have been closed. Um, got into baking um, and just practicing mindfulness, to be honest with you, and practicing meditation, visiting my parents, um, going for long walks, keeping, touch with, keeping in touch with friends, doing a bit of reading, um, doing, like I said, doing a bit of baking. Um, yeah, just trying to look after myself, really. And I want to ask, because like hearing you talk about all that stuff, it all sounds just kind of like the simple things of life that we can enjoy so much more when we're not addicted to alcohol. So do you feel fulfilled in that? And how, how do all these things play out in your life? Do I feel fulfilled now? It's because, you know what, it's really weird because, um, coming from a sort of like a Greek family, Greek Cypriot, my family is Cypriot Greek. Um, 
I was all I was the youngest out of three boys, so I was always the one that was sat on the side in the kitchen at my mum and dad's home. So I was always the youngest of the three, so I was always the one in the kitchen. So for me, it was always a part of me. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy with doing that. I like being creative, mm. to be honest with you. Um, I do feel fulfilled in some ways, and not, and I, but I do feel there's room for improvement, definitely. Um, I do feel there's a lot more that I want to do. I have ideas. Um, I have some plans ahead of me. Um, I'm just waiting a little bit more for this lockdown to lift before I sort of delve into my next chapter. If that makes sense, so I think it's just I'm finding, I'm finding my grounding, if you know what I mean. I'm finding my happy place at the moment. Yeah. So I'm figuring I'm I'm kind of at that point where I'm kind of just I'm kind of just finding myself trying to be comfortable with where I'm at rather than trying to run a million miles an hour. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense you know yeah so I think my problem in the past has always been I've always been looking for the next bit next thing to do next thing to do next thing to do but at the minute I'm kind of just going well you know what just stop mm. you know what I mean just take one day at a time and you know do one thing first and then think about the next thing and figure that out do that and then figure about something else afterwards rather than sort of like doing too many things at once so I'm doing okay in myself I'm doing okay and I want to ask you you know you're someone who I know you've shared with me you've had challenges with mental health and just other circumstantial challenges that happen in life um a lot of people can kind of relapse even if they're on the Sinclair method they can stop taking the pill and just drink without it or not drink mindfully or there's all these ways that we can kind of revert back to what we were doing because alcohol is such an easy coping tool for us it's an easy crutch for us to access so how have you kind of had these challenging life experiences and maintained sobriety like how did you get to the place you're at today um i think for me it's kind of like for me, it was years and years of battering my body or beating my body with alcohol. I think I, I, I beat my, I abused my body for such a long time with alcohol and with drink that I got to that place where I couldn't bear to do it anymore. You know, and for me now, the thought of actually doing that again to myself I think I'd just rather jump off a cliff, if I'm being honest with you. If I was to do something like that, I'd rather just, do you know what I mean? The thought of actually putting my body through all that pain, I'd rather just end it in one hit. I just think all that turmoil would just, what's the point? It's like, you know, it's like slowly cutting yourself. I think for me, just get rid of it, just, you know? I just think all that, I would find that hard work. Would you say that you, have more respect for yourself now than you did before yeah probably yeah definitely definitely I probably have a lot more respect for myself now than what I think I've ever done really I, I think, think definitely because I think like I said the thought of actually like I said even you know picking up a drink now and doing that again 
to me, it, it, it's like energy. For me, that's energy. That's giving, that's giving the alcohol energy. It's giving it its work for me. I know it sounds silly, but being an alcoholic is a full-time job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I just say this. I, I really feel sorry for alcoholics. It's a full-time job, you know? It's a commitment, you know, getting up every day, going to the shop, buying drinks, sitting there drinking, running back to the shop again. You know, you, your life is committed to it. Do you know what I mean? It's your so life true. is committed to the drug. It's a full-time job. You know what I mean? You're paying, 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 paying to feel good. Do you know what I mean? You're paying to feel good. When that feeling good can come for free. That's really profound. You know? And that's what it is. You're paying for a buzz that you don't have to pay for. It's, it, it's, it, it's actually a crooked trick. It's a trick. It tricks you into doing that. That's the, that's the nature of the disease. It, it tricks your brain into making you think that, you know, you pay for me and I'm going to make you feel good. When all you, and, it, and it's free. It's free. It's just about being around good, genuine people. That's what it is. It's all about being around kind, nice people. That's what that. That's all you need to do is about being around the right people and you don't need that drug. Mm -hmm. But when you're around people that take alcohol and drugs and, and you, you know, you're, when you're around the wrong people and you're around drugs and alcohol, you know, you're paying for that. You're paying for the drug. It, it, it's, it's a trick. It tricks the brain. But when you're around people that don't do that or you're around and you're, or you're happy in yourself and you feel good in yourself, you don't have to pay for that no more because it's natural. It's free. You know, it's a feel good feeling. Do you know what I mean? So Definitely. for me, I, I wouldn't want to go back into that again. I think I would find that really hard. Like I've seen, I see too many friends delve back. I've got friends in their 30s. I've got friends in their 20s. I've got friends in their 40s and they, they, they delve back into that lifestyle too much. And year after year after year, I see the same pattern time and time again, and they're never happy. And it's so sad to watch because I can't do nothing about it. Mm. You said that so well, because to me, as, as you get hindsight on your alcohol use disorder as well, as you can kind of look back and reflect on it. For me, it was such a deception, a self-serving cycle where yes, the alcohol becomes your crutch it makes you dependent upon it and makes you think you need it because you do get that endorphin rush when you drink and it is fun for maybe an hour or a couple hours but then you're paying for it the rest of the time and like you said that feeling can come naturally especially like with the way the naltrexone works and it's getting rid of that craving I remember though as I'd been on Sinclair method for six months or so and I was out walking and the smell of the flowers like brought me mm -hmm. so much joy and like I got tears in my eyes because I was like these smell so good and when I was <laughs> numb in my alcohol addiction <laughs> I never noticed the flowers before I was like where's my next drink I don't care but I was just like wow and it's amazing like you say you're baking you're making your apartment nice like these are all things that are so joyful but when alcohol's hijacked our brain it's like that's all we're chasing is that alcohol buzz it's so true. Do you know what, Gay? You could tell you said that exactly the same. Do you know what? And it's funny, it's the same thing with me. I mean, I've got a beautiful lemon or orange blossom tree out in my back garden. And uh, I said, oh, that smells really nice. And I get really excited about silly, not silly things, it's not a silly thing, but it's things like that now. And I think this is what I was so sad about this um, situation that happened with this, this person of mine, the one that 
kind of affected up here about a year and a half ago was we had so many good times together and he gave all that at, at that, that point what I couldn't get around my head is we had so many good times together because I was the polar opposite of the other side of his life which was the drugs the alcohol and all that and I thought you've given this up for the friends that take drugs, the gambling, the drink, the people that are going to be doing you out of money, they're going to be talking about you, you know, they're going to be leading you down a negative pathway and all that. And I couldn't get my head around it. But then I sort of sat back and I took myself out of the equation. I thought, but I was the same person once upon a time. So I've got to understand that that's his life journey. And he's got to go through that chapter in his own way. And, you know, if he chooses to cut me out of his life for that period of time or for whatever period of time or whatever, then that's down to him. Do you know what I mean? But at least I can say I've given him the best version of me and I was a good influence. So you know what? I can sleep at night very comfortably knowing that I was a good person, you know? And that's all I've ever wanted to be is a good person. And alcohol didn't, alcohol made me funny. It made me, but I think it made me funny. Alcohol did make me funny. It made me a comedian. But overall, I think the joke was on, the, the joke was really on me. Because actually at the end of the day, I was everyone else's laughing stock. Mm. Well, now, I'm actually laughing with other people. I'm not the laughing stock. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I think that's the difference with me now is I feel like I'm laughing with them. I'm not the laughing stock. I'm not the one that people are, are laughing at. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and people can't sort of, I don't know, people can't use or manipulate my brain the way they once did because I'm too forwards now. The clear-mindedness that comes from oh that, yeah, that's irreplaceable. It's just like wow, I can think. I'm sharp. I my mind like for me, I used to have bouts of depression and I would get so low. And you know, I was never clinically di diagnosed depression or anything, but with alcohol, I was like constantly on this emotional wave of ups and downs and I was reflecting the other day like wow I'm so stable now like yeah I'll get sad some days happy other days but there's no just deep depression and despair or serious anxiety it's just very even which is awesome I mean like I said to you I do go through I do go through all that but I mean yeah. I deal with that in different ways and the good thing with me is that like I said now is where before I would have let that go on and on and on now I will go no I need help yeah. and I'll go to my doctor and I'll reach out for help well before I would have left that and I would let that go on and on and on and on and on and I wouldn't have that wouldn't have and it would have got worse and worse and worse and worse and then I would have drunk more and more and more and more where now I will deal with that head on and that's that is the one thing that the Sinclair method has helped me with is it's it's helped me with the drinking which has alleviated that one problem which has helped me to actually get up and get on with my other problems. So rather than me sitting there 
feeling flat, feeling lethargic, feeling I can't be bothered to do anything. It's helped me get up and be proactive about the other problems. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. It's very important that when you are on the Sinclair method or any other, any alcohol treatment that you work on yourself first. And if you have any underlying issues, whether it's people, um, that relationships that you have to repair, um, it's yourself you have to have to repair, friendships you have to repair, people that you have to let go of, things that you have to work on, whatever it is, doesn't really matter what it is, anything, you work on all those things first, because when you do go on the Sinclair method, it will change your life. And it is one of the best things I've ever done. And I have to be honest with you, once you are in that, when you're in that control, you honestly feel like you're in a fucking LA apartment. You're like, you feel like you're in one of these really fine, trendy cop. You know what I love? I feel like now that when I go out and I drink, which is very, very rarely, I feel like now when I go out and drink, I want to drink in a really posh, trendy cocktail bar. And I want to go and buy a really expensive cocktail and I want to sip it. And you know what? I feel so empowered to do that. And people look at me and, and I don't know, I get so, I feel really good about that. And I've never felt like that before with alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's that control it's given me back. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think there's anything that, I, I, I said to a friend of mine the other day, nothing can touch it. Yeah. In my eyes, nothing can touch it. If you don't, for me, you'd be sitting there to and fro and to and fro and thinking, why have I waited so long? Do you know what I mean? For me, I honestly, it's, I mean, I don't think you shouldn't say these. This is a miracle drug for me. For me, it's been one of my one of my blessings. Yeah, same. So that's all I can say on that matter, to be honest. <laughs> well, and I think you so eloquently spoke to the importance of kind of working on yourself alongside it because some people do just rely solely on the pill and expect it to do all the work but it's not going to deal with your triggers and your traumas and the life circumstances because life is challenging it's just a fact of life whether you're sober or drinking though drinking definitely makes it more challenging and you don't want to take care of any of those those I don't, issues. Know what they, I don't know what the, the, the you guys offer in the in America but I mean I mean I don't know if over here in the UK we offer some kind of counseling service for this because I think it would be a good idea if there was some kind of counselling service for the Sinclair method. And especially if there was previous Sinclair method users like myself that maybe volunteered their time to help and support people that are going on the method. Because, you know, I mean, I would definitely do, I'd definitely be up doing a couple of days a week, you know, voluntarily, happily, you know, on the phone supporting someone who was just going on the treatment because you know it's it's all about community i mean if 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 alcoholics anonymous do it i don't see why we shouldn't do it because you know at the end of the day it's all about sharing the support you know i mean and and you know someone new that's going on it they're gonna need some kind of guidance on what they're doing and the best form of, to be honest with you, I've always said it, the best form of therapy is someone who's been there themselves. Mm. As you know, this is why you, this is why your, this is why your videos go down so well with a lot of people, because you can turn around and say, I've been there. 
you know, you can go to a counsellor or you can go to an alcohol therapist or an alcohol specialist, but unless that person's um, been there themselves, they can give you the guidelines, but they can't see through your eyes. Mm -hmm. But if a person is conceived through your eyes because they've been there personally themselves, you can feel their energy. You can see that, you know what I mean? You can get that, you pick up on that vibe, then you can kind of put, you know what I mean? You really can get into that you can really help that person. You can really make a difference in that person's life. So, you know, I think that would be a really good idea, but you know, this is just an idea. This is just something to put out into the universe. Yeah, absolutely. We have the online group still. Those happen every day, luckily. Uh, do you know what? Um, I'll be honest with you. I still get the emails, but I don't know how to um, add myself. I'm useless. Oh. No, I'll help you if you if you want to join. I know I've seen you on the before, so I would love love to have you join because we do have like it's been amazing over the last year. We've had volunteers come forward to host the meeting like certain days of the week. And so it's all people who are on the method or who have been on the method. And I would love to see that continue to grow. And like you're saying, one on one mentorship, like there's just so much work that needs to be done. And I've I've heard from people who are going to addiction counselors who don't know TSM and they're only helpful to an extent because there's nuances in the method that mm. a professional wouldn't know about, but that's not oh. to say don't seek therapy. Cause like we're no, of course seek therapy for sure. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many little things about the method that people need to be. Educated I think any, no, I think, don't get me wrong. I'm not disregarding therapy at all. I think any form of support is great support, but I think if you've also got someone who can help you, that's been, or, you know, like, you know, like when you go to an AA meeting, there's a group of you, you've all been there. If we had a community like that ourselves, yeah. which like we have, I suppose, like an online one, but you know, like something that that's a little bit more personalized for, yeah someone who's just going on the treatment, something a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one, that would be good. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, but no, I mean, I would like, I would love to go to join one of the couple of them. No, definitely, but I just need to learn how to bloody um, <laughs> join myself <laughs> I'll help you. I will help you. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, is there anything else you wanted to share or touch on before we, wrap, before up? we wrap up? No, that'd be all, thank you, Katie, honestly. Oh, it's been so wonderful to speak with you. I'm beyond happy for you and just the life you've built for yourself, despite the challenges, like you're doing amazing. Sorry about the camera moving backwards and forwards. It's me arm jilting up and down and don't worry, I haven't got arthritis or anything. It's just my arm. I just go a bit like this every now and again with the camera when I'm moving about, that's all. By the way, you said that you were a comedian when you're drinking and you still are a comedian. You have a great <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. That's, that would never leave me, to be fair, you know, yeah. as you do. Um, anyway, all right, great. Well, it was so great to chat with you. Thanks again. Thank you for tuning in to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast. For additional Sinclair Method resources and support, please check out the information in our show notes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.